Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I like to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where two <laughs> brothers and sometimes a special guest bring you all the answers to your questions, give you dubious advice, and also have news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, though maybe not today. Do you know how AFC Wimbledon is doing, Jana? Um, John is I, a huge fan of American I football. I say I know you. <laughs> I am. That's not a joke. I genuinely <laughs> no. Yeah. Like what? So, what's your favorite American football team? Um, I want to say Steelers. The Steelers. The Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. Yes. Why do you like the Steelers? Steel. Um, I tend to. I tend to root for teams you, in like sort of economically not well-off towns uh, because I feel like they need something. Yeah, Pittsburgh is all right. I feel the same way about the World Cup. Yeah. I like I like countries who aren't doing so well economically to win the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also like the, the towns that are doing well always do well anyway because they have a bunch of money and it's like, do you need everything? But not with the World Cup because you um, can't yeah. have just the best football players, right? right? They're just from your they nation. Have to be from so your it, it means more. That'd be amazing if like all of the, like, the players on the teams in New York had to be from New York. <laughs> It seems like it seems like that should be how I'm sure that's how it that used to be, be. That would be great. But actually. like if the Yankees were all New Yorkers, they'd just be like, we're not very good. <laughs> and so, like there's a lot of people to draw from, but like they're mostly in finance. So, <laughs> uh, um, uh, so how did you become a fan of American football and abandon <laughs> your home country's okay, uh, sport of choice? No, I I do like foot like sorry soccer. Uh. Because um, we're at VidCon. Um, but there's just something about watching like a 300 pound man just like run into another man and just run him over. That's so satisfying. And like when you, when you talk, like when you're at work all day, like I work in social media and everyone is just like talking about like bullshit marketing things and trying to sell you how well the campaign is done and like 
talking about things like vanity vanity metrics and all these things vanity metrics when you, when you get Ooh. home you're like i just want to see people run into each other right because you can't like you can't like fake being good at football exactly like, like you there's can, no bsing your way through alignment exactly you can build, like you know when it comes to youtube and social media especially anything to do with marketing like if you talk a really good game you can get very very far which is really concerning but mm-hmm. you can't fake like running out of the way of very big men (laughs) like like you either can do it or you can't right right you either can do it or you're dead yeah as american publicists they hit very hard by very big things who happen to be people and that's really fun and and i think that americans like yeah i think you've we've got it all figured out you've taken the sport of rugby and you've made it good which i commend you for Did you know where you are right now? Lots of rugby fans in the audience. Uh, I was looking at looking out at them. I wouldn't have said, "Boy, I bet there's a lot of rugby fans in this audience." Uh, But uh, but uh, but apparently a couple, and they were loud. Yeah, of course. Uh, The few who cared cared a lot. I think it's just because it's more of a British thing, isn't it? Right. Oh, yes. I'm defending my home country rather than my sport. Yeah. yeah, Who? When was like? Who watched? Who's watched a rugby game in the last six months? Okay, I'm gonna say uh, like maybe. 8% 8% of the people in the audience. I told you, it's a, it's a, it's a patriotism thing. Yeah, I was uh, once in the tube uh, <laughs> in London, and it was a rugby game had just ended, and people were coming home from the bars, and I'm not sure whether they had won or lost, but they were enthusiastic nonetheless. <laughs> and there were a great number of them, and I, it was like the whole subway car, what do you call that? The whole carriage. Really? Because there's a horse in front of it. I legitimately had no idea that that's what you called it. The whole carriage was like me and Catherine and like 25 to 30 rugby guys all singing a song. And I don't know what the song was, but it was slurred. Um, and, uh, and Catherine and I were like, do we, should we pretend like we also care about this? And then it was one of the subways that has the giant lifts to get you all the way up to the top because you're so far underground. And then like, they all start making their way to the lift and we're like, let's just pretend like we're waiting for another car and wait until that lift happens because we don't want to be in that room that very small room with all 25 of these guys they were it turned out they were lovely but it felt intim i felt like i was intruding upon a upon a culture i did not understand <laughs> great use of the word lift there by the way that was really nice um i've been here for long <laughs> enough i've been for three days i was told last night that uh my fake british accent was coming out and i've been concentrating very hard on having that not happen <laughs> See, I spent 20 years trying to make that happen, so... Oh, yeah? Yeah. My, what's, uh, your, what's your natural accent? So, my, ac- my British accent is fake. Um, this is, Whoa, big yeah. news. Um, uh, basically, when I learned it English... It seems very real. <laughs> Did anybody notice? I, no, I didn't think it's so. It's been 20 years, so <laughs> I'm, I'm getting really good at it. But um, So, I was actually born in Saudi Arabia, and I moved to London when I was about four years old in 98. Do you remember 98? I remember as the year I graduated high school, yes. <laughs> I remember it quite well, very clearly, because of how I was an adult human. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great year, 98. I was four, I was four years old. Um, I started to learn English through watching the Disney Channel and 
watching the Disney Channel only because I was in a, an Arabic school. So I had developed a very American, like teenage dream American accent. <laughs> um, like thinking that things were called things that are American words, not British words. Um, and then I eventually moved to a British school when I was eight. And everyone was like, what, what's going on with your accent? <laughs> Where, <laughs> Where are you, are you from? from? And I'm like, Saudi Arabia? I have an accent. <laughs> like, I thought I was just speaking English. Um, so I slowly started um, saying things in a British accent, but I still speak, me and my sister still communicate in an American accent. Oh. And if I read and I think it's like a really weird international American accent and um, people find it very unsettling. Um. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't like to be unsettled. Okay, do you want to answer some questions from our listeners slash hopefully people who have sent in questions who are here right now? Well, this first one is from Carl Carlin, possibly Carlin, possibly not. I'm about to start using a wheelchair. Should I warn people first, or should I just rock up wheels and heels, Carly? There, there it is. It's from Carly. Are you here, Carly? You're not. That's fine. Mm. Carly is not here. Uh, Carly's about to start using a wheelchair. She, she, like, so, so, like, I mean, any, any shift in, like, in like, our appearance, like, it feels as if we need an explanation. And of course, you, you're gonna, you're gonna rock up uh, in your, in your new wheels, and people are gonna be like, "What's up? You're in a wheelchair now." Right, but like. Warn, warn people that what? <laughs> Caution. Like, yeah. I might what's, roll over your feet. Yeah, is this the, the thing that you the worry warning? about? We've got a wheelchair user in the room. Do you, ro do you roll over feet at all? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So mostly intentionally is what I've heard. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, maybe, maybe Carly needs some, to, to, to take some advice. Maybe, okay. maybe she shouldn't warn people. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my, I, can, I can now roll over people. I'm new at this. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that it probably is going to be a conversation either way. Exactly. Um, and I don't think that people are going to, like, I don't think that you're going to be, uh, people are going to be, like, scared or frightened by this. They might be worried for you. Well, it's not like a, it's not like a new haircut, you know what I mean? It's not something that people would necessarily feel that comfortable. Right discussing anyway so right. i guess maybe a pre-warning would be i'm okay to talk about this and right this right. is fine i think this is maybe what facebook is for i haven't right. used it in a while but <laughs> like is facebook a, for I'm either like married or i'm about to get a wheelchair <laughs> yeah or the there's like his major life announcements yes. yeah. that i don't want to talk about right. publicly like i had a friend recently get divorced and it was like look here's the post that's it. I go, we're in public. Don't stop gossiping about this. Uh, I guess, yeah. If, yeah, I guess maybe if it's like a, a public announcement, then it stops you having the conversation right. over and over and over yeah, again, yeah, which yeah. is a positive. Right. But, you know, people are still going to react the way that they do, right? Yeah. We've got another question. It comes from Winnie, who asks, Dear Hank and Jana, I have woken up with a Queen song stuck in my head every morning for the last two to three weeks. Not always the same song, but always Queen. What do I do? I want to break free, Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, is this a real problem? <laughs> like, I've, I've woken up with Baby Shark in my head every day for the last two to three weeks because I have a two-year-old, so... I feel like I feel like I would if if it's up I to. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I can't relate to that. You but... know about Baby Shark, though, right? 
very vaguely oh and my I god do, that's I deliberate. feel like Baby Shark is the is the most like most like significant cultural occurrence of the last two years because I have a two year old <laughs> and so that's like I'm like wasn't well. Baby Shark at um, um, Kylie Jenner's kid's birthday last week that's what I know about Baby Shark <laughs> what yeah <laughs> Well, I will tell you that the one Great thing I don't know about Baby Shark is anything to do with Kylie Jenner. <laughs> it was. It looked like a fantastic birthday party. Was it a Baby Shark themed? No, it was just everything themed. Was there a Baby Shark? Like an actual shark? I don't know. These people are very wealthy. They're potentially. Very, very potentially. What does it have to do with Baby Sharks, Jana? Um, she's a kid, right? She's a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, <Okay. she's, laughs> so she probably likes the song. So she probably likes the song. You yeah. just wanted to bring up Kylie Jenner. <laughs> she just wanted me, you the wanted fact to, that I know about baby You wanted shark. to turn it around on me so everybody would know how little I know about Jenners and Kardashians. So I just recently started working at um, Universal Music, so I have this problem a lot. Oh, yeah? Because um, there's this thing where in all the bathrooms and the canteen and everything, they exclusively play Universal Music artists. Which is a little, I find it a little bit weird. It's kind of yeah. like if you have your own face on your screensaver on your phone. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, this is, this is yeah, weird. It's like, uh, yeah, you guys are really into yourselves, huh? Yeah, and it's like mainly the same Ariana Grande song over and over again. So like, first few times you're like, oh, this is a great song. And then Can after a while, with, you're with like. Can you hit me with it? It's Thank You Next? Uh, thank You Next, Seven Rings, the whole album, really. Okay. Uh, they're big fans of that in the building. I think it's making them a lot of money. So like, yeah, lovely yeah. songs. So hit us with uh, one, of the, one of the tracks. You want me to sing? <laughs> Let's think. I just assumed. Why don't, why don't you sing a song, Hank? Why don't, why don't I baby put you on the spot? Baby shark, do, 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 do. Baby shark, do, 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 do. Baby shark, do, 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 do. Baby shark. I'm not going to keep going, guys. I'm glad you were into it. People started clapping. We could keep doing this. Definitely needed to shut that down as soon as possible. Uh, yeah, so, so do you wake up with Ariana in your mind every morning? Yeah, and sometimes, you know... It's the kind of place where there's music playing everywhere and there's like 10 floors and every floor, right. every like desk lamp has their own speaker. So you, you now have to know way more songs than you did before and all the lyrics as well. So Well, at least you have like a reason to stay up with, the, with the things that are going on. I don't know. I've, I have reached the point in my life where like I know what music I like and I'm like, I'm not going to listen to the other stuff. This is what being 38 is like. Uh, it, I just... What? Good to know. Yeah, I it's, just like, um, I, I love the stuff I love. Why would I listen to anything new? I don't but think Also, the, all the bands I listen to are still making albums. And I'm like, guys, who, who are you're you old. listening to? <laughs> you need to start, like, I can't keep up. Uh, what, what kind of music do you like, Hank? I like, I listen to Them Epi Giants a lot, like a lot. Do you um, know about this um, band? I don't know who that is. That's fine. <laughs> Raise your hand if you care about Them Epi Giants. Raise your hand if you've heard of them. All right, that's oh less than half of you, <laughs> but it was a bunch. Um, yeah, they're a very nerdy American band. I see. Yeah, so they make very good music. It's okay. not like funny. Like, I, funnily, I think sometimes we think nerdy music is like, oh, that's like Weird Al Yankovic, Weird Al, like, yeah. like music that is commenting on music almost. And, and yeah. Post modern genre. Right, music. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but there may be giants is, uh, they make very serious music. They're very good musicians, but like, it is just well loved by nerds. And they're old and uncool. Is that what you're saying? They me? are in their, <laughs> I think sixties, um, by this point. Wow. Uh, yeah. Because their first album came out, I think the year I was born. 
which was... Do the math. That was 18 uh, and 1998, okay? Uh, so... Someone 1980. It was 1980. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to do the math. Yeah. Uh, so is there any practical advice here, though? What do you do? What was the question? When you have a song that you can't get out of your head. It's kind of my job to have songs in my head. So right. Wait. Get a job <laughs> that involves Queen. And then, then you're, you're good to go. I, I, uh, I have a couple go-tos that get songs out of my head. Um, the, uh, the Crash Test Dummies song. That's called Mmm... For some reason, sing, we've got a guy dancing to it in the back. It's like the moment I said it, he was like, I know that. That's a bop. Uh, uh, and uh, so every time I have a song stuck in my head, I can at least get that song stuck in my head, and then the other How one will be gone. How is that better? Well, because I, well theoretically, because I'm tired of that, worse. that first song. So I want the new song in my head. I just want something. I want some variety in my I life. I think what you've got to do is like you've got to just really be in it. You know what I mean? You gotta lean in. Yeah, and then you've gotta just. Heck yes. Yeah. I mean, if it's Queen, why not? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Of all the things to be uh, uh, unhappy to have stuck in your head, it is very good music. Uh, hey, I've got another question, but this person is from somebody who will, unfortunately, will not be here. Uh, as a young, cre- this is specifically for you. As a young creator, we're calling out the fact that you are young, cause, which is great for me because okay. it means that, that if you weren't young, that would be terrible news. That would news. be really awkward, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, from a diverse background, okay. how do you deal with like fame, creative mental blocks, and also people coming at you on the internets? Ciao, Hank. Looking forward to seeing you. Coming at me in a negative way? Yeah. So it says cyberbullying. Okay. But I, I, ch- I changed it. I don't know why I editorialized. I apologize. <laughs> That was, that was strange. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, cyberbullying is a very strong term, so I guess I can I can understand why you try to right. water it down a little bit. Um, I do think that being from a diverse background, you do tend to get a lot more opinions thrown at you, and I think it's also because on the flip side, people assume that when you're making content, you're making it on behalf of 20 million people right. <laughs> from the place that you're from. Yeah. Um, so is that a problem for, you, for people from Saudi Arabia as well? That they're I, like, you, you're, you're acting like you're speaking for all of us? Absolutely, and I think like, I mean, <laughs> I do use Saudi in a lot of my titles um, because mm-hmm. that's the topic, right? I'm not just like, Saudi girl does something unrelated with the fact that I'm from Saudi or right? I'm like this is significant to the video um, and I think they see it in the way of like you're using our um, country as a way f- to reach an audience mm-hmm. but you don't represent us because you're very different to what an average Saudi is like mm-hmm. um, which is which is really weird but at the same time it means that it means that I do have a sort of niche. So it's not, you know, it's not one of those things where I'm like, I wish that I was not, right. you know, diverse because I feel like it is part of what makes my content unique. Um, but I do get a lot of hate for um, posting anything really on the internet. <laughs> it, c- it could be like, it could be the most innocent right. video. Like I could be hanging out with friends and, and people would come in and be like, why are you, why are you hanging out with guys? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I could be like, oh God, I could, I, they'd be like, why are you um, wearing like a cut shirt? You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Um, so I think at this point, um, after eight years of being on the platform, I'm like, I 
don't care. Yeah. Um, and I think like if I if I did, I probably would have stopped a lot sooner. Um, but the way I like to think about it is that before I started making content, no one from Saudi Arabia who was a female was making YouTube videos. So if I'm in these few years, have made it a little bit easier for another person who um, kind of sees me and says, oh, I look like that, or I mm -hmm. live like that, or I've got that same background. And it's, they will probably end up getting less hate because I kind of took that a little bit of that brunt. Um, so it kind of makes it worth it for me to mm -hmm. normalize it for people. Um, and I just think about like, if there's just like one, like, eight-year-old Saudi girl watching my content being like oh so like you don't have to look a certain way or act a certain way to fit in with society and you can I can be who I am and be from Saudi Arabia and be a little bit different from other people like that's worth random like comments from strangers that I don't know you know mm -hmm. what I mean so that's great thanks for doing that like, <laughs> uh, it's, it's yeah All right, we have another question. This one comes from Winnie, who asks, uh, at what age should you make the grievous transition from YA books to adult books? Uh. Chapstick and Timothy Chalamet, Cassidy. <laughs> it's not from Winnie, it's from Cassidy. <laughs> I don't know why her name is Winnie that's on a really Twitter. Good, that's a really good question. Oh, I yeah? I think, yeah, because I felt, felt like for a really long time I was asking myself that same yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. If you go into like a bookshop and you're trying to pick out what you're going to read next and I'm like I do want to read this but also it's meant for 16 year olds right yeah you're like going to walk to the cashier and they're going to be like so who's how old's your sister uh, but or, at the same time I'm like I know I'm really going to like it <laughs> so right like, that's the thing right I mean first of all like Harry Potter is a YA book that that's true was or even a children's book uh, that is well loved by lots of adults some people like it some folks I've heard, I've heard. Uh, of various ages enjoy no the series of probably. Harry Potter. These are just rugby fans. No one yeah. here likes Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and in general, like, I don't, like, I, like YA is a marketing distinction. Right. Not a content distinction. It is a way of dividing up a bookstore, not a way of deciding what, what books people right. should read. Because technically, like, you can read a book from the perspective of an eight-year-old which I did do recently and it's and that, it's not you know an eight-year-old's book it's not <laughs> it's not eight-year-olds shouldn't be reading it so yeah. it's I guess it's it may be it's the subject matter of like teen angst and kind of puberty yeah. and being yeah like trying to figure things out but that's you know coming of age books aren't exclusive to 16-year-olds right. you right. know um and maybe a lot of the classics that people love would now be considered like young adult novels you know sure what I mean? like, yeah yeah i mean the catcher in the, the rye, rye. Yeah, is a like quintessential example of a, of a book that if it came out now would be put into the ya category but there was no ya category exactly like it was just everything and was books so it's not as trashy i guess right but i am um, i tried to read catcher in the rye and i had no idea what was going on for like a hundred pages i was like nothing has happened yet like there was a thing about a hat and then that was it and i'm like and i didn't get it and everyone was like this is the book that you read when you reach a certain age and like it's really gonna kind of help you like gain perspective and understand the world and i was yeah. like i have no idea when did you read catcher I'm in the rye 
I'm, I might have been 17. Yeah. See, this was my experience, too. When I read Catcher in the Rye in high school, I was like, this book is trash and I hate it. I was very confused. And then confused. I, when I read it as an adult, I was like, oh, I, okay. Obviously, okay. this, is, this is a good book. So is it a thing that adults tell kids that I to just, read? Yeah, maybe I just didn't grow up fast enough <laughs> to get Catcher in the Rye. So if I read it now and I still don't get it, I'm I just a you, child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you hate Catcher in the Rye, you haven't grown up yet. Uh, is not what I'm saying. It's a very weird hill to die on. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still read young adult books and I love it. And I think that so it's like I, a, it's a really fascinating like time of life to mm. explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't change in other like it's very like the character development can happen much more significantly in young people than in people who are older, and it makes more For sense. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I find it like to be a uh, an opportunity to to like live through the lens of people whose lives are changing dramatically, which lets me look at my life and say like could it change dramatically and what would that look like? And if it did, would I be happy or sad about that? Right. It makes you reflective of the things that are going on and not being adult and being like, this is the way that it's going to be now and forever. Right. (laughs) Right. And there's also YA books that I don't read or like. It turns out that that's true of all categories of literature. Sure. But it also, I also feel like at some point they, they get so popular that people start to kind of, people who haven't read the books get really critical over it. And then it becomes, um, like a one of those things where it's like I was like reading Twilight or reading whatever. Like I remember when the Twilight books came out, like everyone loved them and it was really great. Sure. And then the movies came out and the first movie was terrible. Um, and I Wait. think everyone was. I mean, are any any rugby fans? In, I mean, Twilight fans in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I think those are two separate circles in, in the Venn diagram of rugby and Twilight fans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I remember like I think it, when the movie came out, it was like one of those things where all the girls were like um, in love with Robert Pattinson, and then it became like a weird kind of right weird like fan thing. And it wasn't like I was like I'm 15; these books are great for me, you know. Right. Um, so I think like it's weird that people have like a, those kind of opinions about something like books which is should be like educational or like at least useful to your right. brain you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's not like music where it's like it's purely recreational that, there's I don't nothing think, you I don't can think gain. that's true either i think not? that music is not purely recreational i think that there i think there's a lot well, I work in the music industry, so my opinion it's is true. more valid. <laughs> All right. You've had your job for what? Two, two weeks? Two months. Two months. Okay. Well, <laughs> I've never worked in the music industry, except as a musician. <laughs> That's totally fair, yeah. <laughs> we got a question from Greg. Greg, are you here? Who wants to hear my famous British accent? I pretended to be a Brit... Hey, Greg, what's up? Uh, I pretended, I didn't pretend to be British. I just, something happened. I was watching too much Monty Python in high school and I had a fake British accent for a year and everybody was like, stop. And I was like, I'm not doing anything. This is just how I talk. And, uh, and it was deeply embarrassing. Now, deeply embarrassing. Uh, one of the two most embarrassing things I've ever done probably in terms of like, mm. not like moments, but like decisions I made and stuck with. Uh, but I think that my, my, uh, my British accent in high school was sort of, it was like a, you know, mild, like posh British accent. I would say like, I, hello everyone, how's it? Welcome to dear Hank and John. It's, 
It's a comedy podcast where two brothers answer your questions and give you dubious advice and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. That was like, I kind of like went into a different one at the end there. Uh, you guys have a lot of accents, it turns out, that there isn't a British accent at all. Uh, I walk around and uh, meet different people in this country, and uh, some people are deeply unintelligible, and <laughs> other people sound almost Australian. And then you've got, uh, and then you've, yes, and then you've, there, yeah, it's not. And yeah, then people, I've, like, your accent also is not the British accent. What would you say your accent is? So I feel like my accent is like a London accent, yeah. which is um, much more mumbly and mm-hmm. very like... You drop a lot of T's. I drop a lot of T's and... Um, I, a lot of T's. I, get, I, also, <laughs> I also do that deliberately to right, make myself more relatable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes like if I am hanging out with... So I went to a state school, which is what you call public school. Sure. And I also went to a private school for a couple of years. And I had two different accents for two different groups of friends um, because because <laughs> yeah. you would just you would just become more posh just being around like, right. posher people and then because the accent is fake anyway it just starts like going with <laughs> going with whatever other people yeah. are doing. All accents are fake. Yeah, uh, we're we're all we're all making it up. Right, and I and and so sometimes it's really hard to keep up if you're with someone who's speaking in a different mm-hmm. like slightly different British accents. You start to pick up their mannerisms right. and their terminology like the way whether they drop t's or not and i kind of feel like i i like sense the kind of accent they have and i just mirror them right <laughs> so yeah which is a little bit psycho well well the thing that well it's <laughs> not, sociopath not behavior it's, no but. i think it's just it's mirroring which is a like it's a completely normal thing that like it's how we learn to talk but at I all i can feel myself doing it when i can't right. stop because you're because you're a conscious being but the weirder <laughs> thing is what i did which was like i don't want to be normal and so i'm gonna talk funny uh and oh, literally like and then for a while so after high school you did that for I a whole had, year Oh yeah, I had a little bit of like a weird like Minnesota Canadian accent when I started college and people were like, where are you from? And I was like, Orlando. (laughs) The least accented place of anywhere in America because it is just like we all learned how to talk from TV. Like you. Like me, see? (laughs) Worlds apart, but so similar. Oh, of course. (laughs) I have one more question before we're gonna get to the uh, questions from the people in the room. So get ready. Do you have, do you guys, anybody need advice? We got some nods, okay. We keep looking for life on other planets, but how do we know that there is no intelligent life on the bottom of the ocean? Like entire civilizations from Lena. Lena, are you here? Hey, how are there entire civilizations on the bottom of the ocean? Jana, go. You're, about, you're in the music industry. I want to say yes. All right. We're settled. And, and, this is, <laughs> and this is why I, I want to say yes. Because, I mean, you know more about science than I do. It's I'm possible. just going to put that out there. Um, <laughs> it's very possible that you know more than science than I do. Um, but I feel like we don't know anything about really... Oh, we know some things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, feel like I'm I, doing, a, I feel like I'm going to face. a teacher right now. <laughs> like, you know... We know She's like, doing her oral presentation. We know things about the ocean but we also don't know things about the ocean and it's kind of like the human and one of those things could be that there's civilizations down there like you know it's 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 like we don't know a lot of things really no it's like i'm listening to a talk from the white house (laughs) 
So what I think we should do as a precautionary measure is build a wall in the ocean, <laughs> just in case there are civilizations it's down true. there. Yeah. 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 You never know. It's a it's a but it's a bit of a trek up the continental shelf, but uh, they you never know. I. I mean, if, yeah. yeah, it might be a, some limitation to our shipping infrastructure, but it is important to be safe. True. <laughs> uh, I yeah. It's a matter of national security. I, the thing that state I state of emergency. <laughs> God, the thing that I think of is uh, is like so. So intelligence has evolved multiple times, um, but usually it has evolved in vertebrates. Um, so we have very smart birds and we have very smart chimpanzees and primates and humans. We also have very smart uh, cetaceans, whales and dolphins and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there's octopuses and they are so freaking smart and they have nothing to do with us. Like they are just completely like on a total different evolutionary shoot. They're related to clams. Like they are not re- like th- they're close, more closely related to clams than than they are to us. Equally delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had some grilled lobster last night. It was really good. It's very intelligent food. Octopuses, though. <laughs> they're crazy smart, and they have. This is the weird thing about octopuses. They have weird donut-shaped brains. Yeah, but that's not where the majority of the decision-making gets done in there. It's like, it's the tentacles, They right? have distributed nervous systems. Yeah. They have thinking neurons in their tentacles. If you... So they genuinely eat every one of their tentacles has a mind of its own, yes. technically. If, you, if, if an octopus learns to do something and then you cut off one of its tentacles, this is a terrible experiment, but it has been done, the octopus gets dumber. Like, it forgets stuff. Like, it, it'd be like if you cut off my foot and I forgot, like, the words to thank you next. <laughs> Because it turns out that it turns out that that's, that foot knew that. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, octopuses. But then equally, so I think maybe there's a civilization of octopuses. And and indeed have thought about a science fiction story that I would write in which instead of doing chemistry in like water pots. So this is some, one of the things about like being a chemist. You think about like you have to create different environments for chemistry to happen in. The obvious one is like a lot of chemistry can't happen outside of water like sacks of water, which is why we walk around with sacks of water inside of us because that's how good chemistry gets done and why we are big blobs of, we're just water sacks. We're just big (laughs) water sacks. Everybody get used to it. Um, And so you, but, but octopuses would need to create air sacks so that they could do air like chemistry inside of it. So this is a story that I wanted to write about ascension race of octopuses that did that did chemistry inside of air air bubbles to to That's become kind of like to become the, science users like the last airbender but with octopuses and science it's possible <laughs> i have not That's consumed great. that media I, this episode of dear hank and john is brought to you by blue land did you know that uh, about 5 billion billion that's a de- I checked that because that's a lot plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year and if that's not bad enough most cleaning formulas are 90% water which is heavy we're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to every year americans throw away 25% more trash from thanksgiving to new year this year maybe 
Turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blueland. Blueland is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products that have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blueland tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blueland products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blueland is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blueland has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. I'd read that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, she's in. Uh, all right, do we have questions from our audience? Yes. So my question is, like, what's your favorite way to get lost in a healthy way? Like, not to the point where you're lost, lost. Right. <laughs> How do you get lost in London specifically, or in any city that you visit? Right. So how do you get how do you get lost in a place, but but not too lost that it's dangerous, and also like not into a place where you might get stabbed. The nice thing about now is that you can always look at your phone and it'll tell you roughly where you are unless you're in a tube station and it says way out and you're following the way out signs and then you go in a circle. Right. And you get back to the way out sign that you just saw and you're like, I live here now. Um, This is now my house. So they do that for crowd control purposes. So like you could technically get from one place to another in the underground way quicker because there are ways to get there but they're like oh go this really long way so that we can get more people on trains by the time it takes you to get there so Ah, they just kind of have you you, instead of like waiting waiting around around they want you to be in the hallway exactly i thought i was in a star trek episode (laughs) i was like like i have been here before and it was five (laughs) minutes ago like i like it took me a long time to get back and I don't like it and I started to like and then it's like your phone doesn't know where you are because you're 30 miles underground yes and like the thing about the London underground is that so London is on clay which is really soft so what they're constantly doing is pumping water out of the ground so that the whole thing doesn't just collapse. Uh-huh. So, Great. So we're like always like just like a really close to having just complete. So when you see a leak, it's like one of those pumps failing. Um, mm. So that's just constantly happening. Well, I'm only down there a little bit. So like probability wise, you guys are going to be the ones that die. <laughs> so. Exactly. Um, to answer the question, I I'm very good at getting lost because I'm very bad at directions. Mm. So, like, I've been lost multiple times out of my hotel room in the last two days, uh, <laughs> just going, just walking in the wrong direction. So, uh, my advice would be to not look at signs for a really long time, mm-hmm. um, like I do, and then also just be really bad at getting your bearings right. Because if I just literally turn around, like, you know, when you come out of a shop and then you go back the way that you were walking, mm-hmm. not realizing that you 
have done that. It's just because I've turned around. I've turned around. I forgot which way. I've just like from. one 360 yeah. and you like walk out of the shop and you walk back to your hotel exactly. instead of the other direction. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe turn around a lot. I, I have, <laughs> there should be an app that just like, it's called like Lost Finder and it just like takes you and it's like, we're going to take you to a random spot in Seattle. Enjoy. That's uh, a good idea. That sounds fun to me. All right. Another, any more advice? <laughs> how do how do you handle convention crowd life? Uh, I I've been to lots of conventions in my life. I, the first convention I ever went to was an anime convention in Orlando when I was a kid. I went to a bunch of Harry Potter conventions. I went to car shows, which are light conventions, but there's cars. There's actually one in this building right now. Yes, there is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, <laughs> and uh, so I've, I I uh, I like to. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard to get to the place where I want to be. Sometimes it's hard to decide where I want to be doing, and then I decide uh, I decide to do a lot of things that are not eat food, and then I realize that I haven't eaten food in six to twelve hours, oh. and that becomes a problem because I'm just like too excited about the things going on. Right. Um, but like the overwhelmingness of the crowd, that I deal with by like uh, I would. I'm like it's very easy for to, to uh, interpret this as like by judging the humans that walk by me. I'm not judging them. I just am looking at them and I'm thinking like, like what is the life that that person has? Look at the shoes that they chose to put on this morning. And I sort of like pick individual little things to look at rather than the mass of things that are happening around mm. me. And that like gives me a thing to think about that is not like the anxiety of being in a crowd, which can be a pretty intense anxiety. Um, like those flowery boots, for example. Those are great. They're great. I could think about those, for, those. for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, um, so I, my main experience with conventions is, is YouTube ones. Yeah. Um, and I think that for me, because I've always been like, mainly been a, a creator at these things. Um, and I find that knowing that people aren't really here to see me. I feel like it's a, it's an imposter syndrome kind of thing. Oh yeah. But also it, it makes me feel really like free to be able to walk around and do whatever. But I also feel like people are looking at me and being like, she's a featured creator, but I don't know who she is. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I find that kind of like really mm-hmm. a little bit more nerve wracking. Um, but when I, when I was at conventions, like just, to go um like somewhere in the city for example it the most difficult thing for me was like being there on my own and mm-hmm. having to kind of almost like pitch yourself to someone sure. not as a creator but just like as a person you know what right. I mean? to be like do we have any common ground like can i walk around with you for the next three days it's a big commitment to make um so yeah, yeah so i think that's really difficult i think like the yeah that was a chance like crowds for me like not a thing that, that i that concerns me or causes me anxiety it's more about actually mm-hmm. interfacing with right. humans and like finding people that you're going to spend time with right and, because yeah. you don't want to like and it on the other side of it as well like you you can meet someone who is kind of not your cup of tea mm-hmm. um and you're like i don't i don't want to be stuck with you the whole weekend because i'm gonna have a miserable time and mm-hmm. then it becomes awkward because then you like are trying to like Right. See meet other people and be like, Are you <laughs> Are you, <laughs> are you my cup of tea? What kind of tea are you? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. 
Um, so I have no advice to give. <laughs> okay. Well, now we know at least what it's your anxieties hard. are. <laughs> All right. One more question. I think probably I, turning on my phone. Yes. Oh, ooh. There were all the hands were already up when I looked up, so I didn't know who raised their hand first. Yeah, I would put your hands down again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wow, you guys. Who put your hand down first? I'll go with you. <laughs> I think it was you. Yeah. Right. How do, so I'm ta- so the question is I'm taking a philosophy course. How do I not like be a philosopher? Basically, <laughs> they, none of them are happy people. It seems. I mean, you look at the history of philosophers. They don't seem like the, the like a hedonistic yeah. lot. They're very worried about ethics and doing the right thing, and uh, they right. sometimes think themselves into oblivion. So, how do you avoid that fate? How do you not have existential crises while studying philosophy, which seems to be what it's designed for? Uh, I think you you, you, don't. you don't I think you, I think that's like that is the kind of the purpose like you have like we live our lives for a lot of our lives um, and sometimes for your whole life not really examining why we're making our decisions how we ended up in our situation the culture that we're inside of and how it influences the decisions that we make and how we see the world and a lot like a lot of people go through life without really questioning that stuff and that is the simple way to do it but it's not like the good way to do it. Um, mm. And so when you start asking those big questions, like, you know, why can't I wear a skirt without people looking at me weird? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I have to wear separate, each leg has to be in its own skirt. Uh, <laughs> that, like, why, why is that? Um, and, 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 like, and, and how serious a consequence it is for a man to wear women's clothes. Um, and and like how that is like something that is like could actually be physically dangerous mm-hmm. to a to a human being. Mm-hmm. So you start to ask questions like that, and it opens up a big can of worms of like how many of the choices to, that I make are my choices, and how many of them are the choices that society has made mm. for me. And generally, I find uh, an existential crisis really comforting. All right, yeah, because I I have this too. I'll tell my story after okay, you. Okay, as I feel like. Especially, I don't know, maybe the way that I was brought up was everything is definitively the way it is. And there's no, it's just black and white. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This is a thing that you should do and this is a thing that you shouldn't do. And, and it's decided for you. And, and it's decided by extraterrestrial beings that you can't question. Sure. Um, and so being taught that way, it feels like everything's got a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And you f- it feels like everything is a bigger deal than it is. And then when you have that kind of thought process of it's so arbitrary that I have two skirts for my legs rather than one. Yeah. Um, and somehow that's really significant to everyone on the planet. Yeah. It makes you feel like, oh, it's not, it's not actually a big deal at all. And actually like, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not black and white. It's just a lot of, of yeah. gray and I can be very comfortable in this, in this gray. Right. And I have the <laughs> same, I, ha- I have a similar thing when I'm like, when you like look up at the stars and you're like, Oh boy, we're a tiny little dot right. around one tiny little dot in right. a tiny little dot among tiny little dots. Exactly. And I'm like, I, you know, you can see and that like, and be like, Hey, wow. All of like, I'm, I mean nothing and nothing means anything. And all meaning has evaporated or you can see it and think, like everything all, is fine. All, yeah, ev- <laughs> like ultimately, like it, like the my big screw ups aren't as big, 
and the meaning that we have is defined by us. Right. And I get to choose what matters to me, and I and like exactly. we all are collectively choosing the stuff that that has significance. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that it isn't significant because I matter. Exactly. Um, and that is that's yeah that's both freeing and also like it gives me a terrifying. connection. <laughs> yeah, it's it's freeing, terrifying, but it also gives me a connection to other people and makes me think like this really is a human endeavor rather than some like you know, universal endeavor. And that, that doesn't make it more, more or less valuable. It just, like, it helps me understand what it actually is. Yeah. That's where we're going to end our podcast. The news from Mars is so. terrible, so I don't want to tell you about it. <laughs> and the news from AFC Wimbledon, let's be honest, also bad. Yeah. Uh, but they are, I, they, yeah, we, yeah we're gonna, they're going to play their FA Cup game today. And are we'll they still in Kingston? I don't know what that means. Yes? Oh, okay. Yes. Um, Why do I know that and you don't? <laughs> well, it's not my thing. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, so they're going to play their FA Cup game today against a championship league team and they will probably... Who are they playing? Almost certainly... Millwall. Ooh. They will almost certainly lose. But they did just beat a Premier League team, so maybe it'll happen. Who did they beat? Really? Yeah. It was a thing. That's great. Yeah, FA Cup. Congratulations. That's what it's all about. Thank you. I appreciate your support. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for coming out. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks,